This is Rock Your Life with Nora Finch, a podcast show dedicated to my 20 years in wellness and helping us survive as well as thrive in a mentally fit mindset. Okay, this is another intro to my first responder series. Okay, it's called The Life of a First Responder Part 1. Okay, jumping right into it, I'm going to caution you first that this episode has some very explicit and revealing information, very personal um, things. It's it's just a small section, but I just want to let you know about that, that that's going to be, um, I'm going to say some things later so you don't get shocked. Um, okay. So I want to start off my first responder series by reading to you a series of emails from one of my guests from the East Coast. The first email is about his life as a first responder, and the second part discusses fears and what holds first responders back from seeking help, as well as his thoughts on self-help. Okay, so this is just his opinions, his experience. Okay, he has been a paramedic for 25 years who is still in the industry, but now focuses more so on being an EMS educator. He's definitely most excellent, I can tell. Okay, so I picked him for a variety of reasons aside from his amazing story of recovering and surviving an attempt on his life that he should be most definitely uh, dead according to what happened, but I'm so glad that he is still here to share with me his story, but probably more than anything, I've appreciated his introspection and articulation um, from his very first emails to me because I feel like we look at and dissect life in a very similar fashion. I feel like he talks and writes like me, and he paints the perfect picture to an outsider of what his life has been like as a first responder. That painting of which is what I love in great storytelling as I have been a writer since I was a teenager as well. Okay, I think he should write a book as well as speak. So on a side note, while this is only one story and not every first responder's experience, I still feel very much like it needs to be heard loudly. When I asked him... After traveling on five continents, uh, what other first responders were saying, were saying, he said most of them were in agreement with him. Okay, this guest is the very reason I do the shows I do, most of which are, are about talking about the things no one wants to talk about um, or they are scared to talk about. He confirms to me everything I thought to be true about first responders and their careers, but I didn't know. I found out so much more than I thought that makes me sad, but at the same time pushes me to keep doing what I do with my podcasts and in wellness. With that being said, I hope what I do truly helps others as much as it helps me. I am so glad he was willing to trust me and be so candid in our very first conversation. And in doing so, it allowed me to use this information wisely to help bring awareness to how we are all involved and or can be involved in providing the necessary changes that are needed in our nation to be better. I feel we must look at the elephant in the room and become aware that it takes all of us to come together if we want to help preserve our mental health, and that is for all of us. We must hear these things because they are very real issues. And maybe that brings us to that question we really need to ask ourselves is how bad do we want to prevent suicides? Okay, here we go. 
Dear Nora, it is difficult to explain really what it is like to be a first responder and what it is like to deal with the stress and to continue in it. I will try my best to paint a picture of what it is like to work in this industry. Life can be a stressful experience all its own. Most adults feel the everyday stress of trying to be the best person they can be, provide for their family, and deal with people. Most of us can feel that pressure and that stress gets compounded when people have added stressors of financial problems, health difficulties, and relationship hardships. First responders are not immune to those everyday pressures, but we add a heaping scoopful of pressure to that on an almost daily basis. So let's look at some of the stress of EMS. First, the job itself can be a roller coaster of emotions that happens after the stress response and your flight or flight kicking in and out multiple times a shift. People ask me what it's like to be a paramedic and I tell them that it is boredom followed by moments of sheer terror. Another way of saying that is when we go to a call, it is either bullshit or oh shit. A constant up and down of physiological and psychological stress. We are constantly going from zero to full throttle. It is how we are trained. It is how we respond. It's just EMS and that stress alone takes its toll. EMS has long hours, short staffing, mandatory overtime, and for the most part is notorious for having poor working conditions. This is especially true for private EMS providers. Managers are often not qualified and ill-equipped to manage. The job satisfaction rate is not the best, but somehow we still stay in it. EMS is really very much like an abusive relationship, but there are places where EMS is good. EMS as we know it, with paramedics and EMTs coming to our rescue, didn't really get started until the 70s. Overall, we are still looked down on by a lot of other medical practitioners, including some nurses and doctors, but it is getting better as far as that goes. People in EMS are notorious for their bad habits and their less than honorable coping skills. EMS workers have significantly higher numbers of substance abuse and alcoholism, with the highest rates of diver divorce and infidelity is rampant among our ranks. Some people think that EMS stands for extramarital sex, and lots of us have suffered from ambulance-induced divorce syndrome. Looking on it now, I can see a lot of that is self-medicating, including the risky sexual behavior and promiscuity in the industry. Our industry has one of the highest numbers of employees who experience burnout. The longer a person is in it, you notice their skills go up, but their compassion goes down. That pressure cooker effect of compounded stress is multiplied with the stress of the job. We are human beings, and when we see traumatic events, it affects us. Okay. Then this next part is I was talking to him about all of the different fears um, that hold people back, you know, from getting help or expressing, you know, expressing themselves, whatever it is in life. There's all kinds of fears that we have, whether it's fear of judgment, ridicule, um, all those sorts of things, right, from outside of us, society, family, friends. And so um, I listed those and his response was, all of the fears you put in your email are exactly what hold people back from getting help, and those can be from internal sources as well as peers and employers. One of the biggest fears is simply that if you get help, that you will be barred from being able to do what you love. That was the biggest hurdle for me. After a while, the job becomes an identity and a part of you, and when that is taken away, that leaves a big hole. Okay, now he, to quote him, 
I will not be able to save lives if I ask for help. They will take away my license, my job, and my career that I worked so hard for. They will see me as weak. I will be the subject of ridicule. Then the next part he goes on to say, it's simple. It's as simple as this. Being a paramedic, I feel it's my job to help others. Who is going to help me when I need help? Okay, to close. Self-help is hard for most people, but even harder when your job is to sacrifice even your life. Oh, this is all in his words too for this closing of this episode. The motto in EMS is so others may live. It is ingrained in our very core, even to the DNA, to give, to sacrifice, no matter what. It is what we do. We come to work when we are sick. We work in every type of weather. We hardly sleep. We put everyone else in front of us. We feel guilty for not putting out effort all the time, and this is reinforced by coworkers and management. EMS becomes an unhealthy codependent relationship. It's essentially becoming the abused spouse. You allow the continued poor working conditions. You put up with the overtime and all the other bad things, hoping that you will feel good about your job. Self-help and taking time to take care of yourself should not be seen as selfish, but seen as important things that we do for our own health. It should be seen as a way of resetting a system that is often stressed beyond its stretching point. Okay, that's it. That's the end. And that's also why I think this person would be an excellent writer. So um, I hope that you all tune into this series and I hope you enjoy it. I hope it provides a lot of value um, to you and I know it's very thought provoking. It's probably for those longer car car rides when you're interested in looking (laughs) into something very deep with Nora as usual. Okay, so um, check out my wellness page. It's fbfacebook.com slash norafinch.nsati. And on that page, I have a lot of wellness-related things. Sometimes I'll put, you know, different YouTube videos, music therapy, um, all sorts of different things. There's a variety of um, different options on there. And then I have a separate Rock Your Life page if you want to check that out. But I don't update that too much. Okay, so look out for the series. And um, thank you for listening again. Bye-bye.